Welcome to RGM. Are you in a band? Come and join us. Simply click on the RGM submission page, submit your music, and we'll sort the rest. Another week of our lives. Um, yeah, I'm just oh, kind of just made it through that one, to be honest. Oh, oh, I've, I've, I tell you what, ladies and gentlemen, I think that's been one of the busiest weeks of my lives ever. Uh, yeah, made it through. <laughs> just a lot on this week, a lot on at work, you know. It's not like I work down the pit or out, you know, so it's, you know, I'm probably being overdramatic as always, but. Massive week. I've recorded like four new podcasts for your ears, ladies and gentlemen, this week. I've been preparing for RGM Live, which happened last night as I record this podcast. Uh, down at Pier Right in Manchester, the first one that I've ever done. Uh, they always knack me out. Um, quite, you know, you're on your feet a lot. Yeah, sorting stuff out. Bands need to be in certain places. Uh, have they all got a drink? Are they all fed and watered? Uh, is it, you know, I do the door as well, so it's like uh, people have to get their emails out and pay, and just stressful of people trying to sneak in like the people like they do in Manchester. There's a lot of that. Uh, it's fun. Yeah, but we made it through to the other side. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. If you've um, if you've made <laughs> if you've made it through. Um, Welcome to another week here at the RGM Experience Podcast. How are you doing, Yone? Yeah, we're back. Uh, thanks to everybody for listening, tuning in on the podcast. We keep having nice little spikes of new listeners. And that's, that can only be because of you, the listeners, uh, telling people about it and word getting out and about and that, you know. So, so thanks for that. Um... Massive, massive case of uh, imposter syndrome this week as well. I don't know where that came from. Uh, it must have just been because I've just been so busy and that kind of stuff. Like, oh, this is all going to crumble into end. Why am I doing all this? Committing to this podcast every week. <laughs> uh, yeah. All these things that go on inside the human mind. Fascinating, isn't it? Here and we've got a great guest, ladies and gentlemen, coming up. We've got the amazing Sarah Keyworth, an amazing stand-up comedian for you today, ladies and gentlemen. Proper fascinating chat I had with Sarah. She's on a massive journey, uh, just about to um, go out on a big, massive tour around the around the country. Uh, it's fascinating how how many years a comedian has to graft uh, before they start to get traction and uh, do it. You know, just the. They make it look so easy, don't they, on stage? Like, it's just effortless. They're just telling the stories and doing the jokes. Uh, but to get to anywhere near any good to get paid to do it, you've got to be doing it a good ten years. For Sarah, uh, she mentioned in the interview that like, it took her eight years. She, you know, she, it's not took her long. But eight years, man. Yeah, I really enjoyed chatting to Sarah. Yeah, I've bought a new camera as well, so I've been doing some new footage and stuff at live gigs just to try and spice up the socials a bit and all, you know. It's, uh, got to keep these things fresh, I think. So, yeah, always trying new things. Uh, have a look on the socials. You'll see it all on there. 
But here we are. There's no Twitter page for the podcast again. This is the last time I'm going to mention it. I'm just giving everybody a heads up. Uh, to be the first person to know about what's going on on our, on the podcast. Uh, don't go to at RGM pod anymore on Twitter. Um, it's not going to be used anymore. It's just a defunct uh, Twitter page now. Go to RGM magazine. We've got one Twitter page with all the lovely mu- music stuff. And all the podcast news will be there first for you too. Housekeeping there. Yeah, thanks, ladies and gentlemen. Life at RGM is 100 miles an hour at the minute, and I won't have it any other way. You know, you just have to look on rgm.press at the minute. We've got a, we've got a Brits quiz on there as well. How much do you know about the Brit Awards? Uh, a lot of people talk about Sam Smith and all, didn't they? Yeah, he just wears some different, should we say. And it seems to set the internet alight. <laughs> Everybody goes shit over a, a, a mad-looking bit of costume. It's funny, isn't it? Anyway, ladies and gentlemen, I, I, I babble. I do that, don't I? Yeah, but ladies and gentlemen, let's crack on with the podcast. It's your favourite part of it, I know. I know from the comments and the, the feedback that I get. Uh, this is your favourite bit, the guest bit, not me babbling on at the beginning. So, ladies and gentlemen, I'll cut you short. We've got the amazing Sarah Keyworth. Let's go. Hello, Hi, how yeah. are you? I'm fine, thanks, mate. You? Yeah, good, thank you. Yeah, brilliant. Bye. So, where do we find you today at home? Uh, yes, I'm in my flat in northwest London. North That's West where London. I am today. And, and yes. how's sunny London today? Do you know what? It is quite sunny, actually. Yeah. 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 I'm in nice Manchester. I'm, just used to, I'm used to rain up here in Manchester, and we've got nice blue skies as well. Yeah. It feels like the season. Isn't it? It feels like the season is just getting a little bit better, and we're going to have some nice uh, opportunities to be outside soon. I think. It feels like spring might be sprunging at the moment. <laughs> yeah, definitely, definitely. Well, we really yeah. appreciate you joining us for the podcast. Um, mm. as, as a comedian, uh, we like we like to have a comedian on the show because, uh, as a failed comedian myself, I did try it about ten years ago on the circuit for a year. Um, oh, I'm it- sorry. It's, it's, <laughs> e- it's easier now. <laughs> <laughs> I've heard. I've heard. Yeah, fair enough. Fair yeah, anyone they let anyone in now. <laughs> yeah. And because you're uh, and you know you're a comedian, so obviously you've got a podcast. As well, I, obviously we'll you have to yeah, you've got one as well one uh, yeah. and we, we, we're going to be discussing this amazing big tour you've got and the podcast shortly as well mm-hmm. um, but just to start off with I did have a listen to your last uh, uh, edition of your podcast and yes on that it's thank fuck for that it's called mm-hmm. and um, yeah you, you were start, you started off the podcast talking about how you wanted to look a bit more edgy and you wanted to look <laughs> like you're, you're the type that could steal a baby which I found an interesting way to start a podcast I feel like I communicated it wrong. <laughs> okay, fair enough. I, I didn't represent myself well <laughs> in that moment. I host it with my friend Mickey. Yeah. Uh, Mickey Overman, very talented comedian. Yeah. And um, sometimes she brings out the worst in me, I think. <laughs> yeah. But okay. the, the point I was making was that I went to, I was in a, a tube station and I saw a woman with a baby in a pushchair. Yep, yep. And I said to the woman, <laughs> Would you like help? And she said, Yes, please. And then she gave me the baby. And I was saying that I felt a bit offended <laughs> that I look so harmless. Yes. She didn't think for a second that I would <laughs> nick the baby. And I just thought that maybe I'd like to look a little bit more um, intimidating. Yeah. 
um, which I think is completely reasonable and very fair. <laughs> yes. um, but then Mickey said, so you're saying that you want to nick a baby. And I think I got swept away in it. And I think I did say I want to nick a baby. I think, yeah. I, think I, I, I did say those words. It, it came across well eventually. Uh, context is, is the key with, them, yeah. with those kind of statements, aren't they, I suppose? Yeah. So, um, yeah, so that's not the point I was trying to make. But it, is the, yeah. it is the words I ended up saying. So. <laughs> It happens all the time. Well, I'm brand new to the podcast and I really enjoyed it. And we will come to that, <laughs> we will come to that eventually. It's great. <laughs> uh, so I just want to go, I always like to go back a little bit, particularly with comedians. Um, so let's just rewind a bit before, you know, you started on the professional uh, scene out there. Where, mm. When when did you start to realise that you've got funny bones in you? Um, I don't know, because I'm not, I'm not the funniest person in my family. My dad's very uh, funny, my, yeah. my brother's very funny, and my okay. mum's very funny. So um, so I, I, I think maybe I started making people laugh in school, mm. um, and then I, started, I had mates saying, you, sh- you should try and do comedy, yeah. which is nice. Um, but I don't know when, I think the moment I, I don't even know if I've actually had a moment where I've realised that I, I can yeah. actually do it. Um I think, yeah, I think it started to kind of happen as a teenager. Yeah. Uh, it's that classic comedian thing of um, uh, make the joke about yourself before somebody else yeah. does. It's it's a bullying mechanism, you know, saving yourself from yeah. being bullied. It's, just, it's, it's uh, um, I was very bulliable in school. So like a lot of comedians, it doesn't come from a place of trauma or anything like that? oh no yeah no um five minutes in do you have any trauma um <laughs> no i don't know not massive trauma yeah. i suppose um uh, I, I don't know a bully, yeah. being bullied is traumatic yes oh yeah um so yes but and i was i was prime um i was prime uh real estate for being bullied at school yeah. so probably a bit of that Okay. Okay. So, so were you were your family were they um, comedians? Did they ever try it, or were they just naturally funny around the house? And no, just naturally funny around the house. Yeah. None of them would try stand up. I do have I've got a, a cousin who's a writer and yeah. and used to do stand up. Um, mm. And mm. I had a um, I think my great grandfather was mm. a P- Piero, which is like a mm. clown, like yeah. a. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. By yeah. that Piero, yeah. yeah. And um and one of my uncles, no my. My dad's, my great uncle, my dad's uncle, um, he was an entertainer. He was a comedy entertainer. His name was Charlie Bartle, Mm -hmm. and he used to perform in Nottingham with a little dog, apparently. Mm. And there's a plaque in Nottingham for him outside one of the theatres. Oh, nice. So, yeah, there's some some funny bones within the the family. There's one thing to, like, think about doing comedy, but then there's another stage of actually going out and doing it and getting that first five minutes and finding out where you can do five minutes finding out if you can and just actually cracking on with it when did you where where did the drive come from you to think oh, fuck this I'm just gonna have a go at this um I, I, when I was uh when I was in school mm. I well, like sixth form I had a go at it but I was really shit mm. um and then I went to university and I met people doing it so I thought okay I'll give it another go mm. um but it's it's really arrogant isn't it it's very <laughs> arrogant to, to have a go at it like yeah. to to have that moment of thinking I'm gonna start I can stand up in this room and make this yeah. these people laugh is um it's proper smug behavior isn't it <laughs> um so so yeah I think if anybody's having those thoughts um have a good hard look at yourself. <laughs> it's just highly unrecommended. Yeah, uh, career. I don't know. No. Yeah, who do you think you are? Who do I think I am? How did your first gig go, and where was it? 
very first gig ever was yeah. in uh, was like a charity gig in in um school my mm. friend was organizing it yeah. um and it was the softest audience like like, like so yeah. easy it was like my mom and dad mm. and her mom and dad and my mates um so i thought i was an absolute rock star <laughs> by the end of it i was yeah. like i'm so good at stand up comedy i don't know why this hasn't happened 10 years ago <laughs> yeah. at the age of 17 um so yeah, that was not an accurate representation of what stand-up comedy looks like, and yeah. I have since then been uh, shown the reality of doing stand-up comedy, which is often just struggling to make rooms full of people laugh yeah. uh, over and over again, repeatedly, until something hits. Well, my my first go at it was uh, a Spike and Mike gong show. Oh, uh, no way. Yeah, a, yeah. Go- a, a gong show where if people don't know yeah. what they are, basically people are just going to, if they don't like you, they're just going to, make it very obvious to you that they don't like you and kick you straight off the stage. And the point is to get to like five minutes. Did you ever have any like... An uh, absolute brutal those? display of the, <laughs> yeah. of the depths of uh, uh, inhumanity, isn't it, really? Where <laughs> audience members get to judge people within a matter of seconds yeah. and often we'll just do go, oh, you know, I don't like that guy's hair, knock you off. <laughs> um, it's, uh, yeah, I've, I've done them. I've done a yeah. few gong shows. I did one... Um, I did one in London quite early on in my career and uh, I was the second act on Mm. and first act went on, survived the whole thing, got through their five minutes. And then the MC went on and said to the audience, Oh, come on guys, you've got to be harsher than that. (laughs) Oh, great. Okay. And I thought, well, I'm fucked. (laughs) I'm absolutely fucked. There's no way they're not going to gong me off immediately because they've got to prove to the MC that they can be harsh. Yeah. So like, I I was gone within seconds, barely got a word out. <laughs> so if anybody doesn't know, the journey of a comedian usually starts, or it did when I had a go a few years ago. Tell me if this is if it's different these days. But, you know, you just try and get stage time wherever you can. You get five minutes, you'll do the gong shows. You will you might know mm-hmm. somebody that's running a gig that's new to it themselves that will give you a bit of stage time just to try and hone your craft a little bit and try and get past these different little landmarks in comedy where you, you try and get five, 10 minutes, 20 minutes, and then go up to the pro levels and that kind of stuff. How, how did you find the journey of getting more established with it yourself personally? Um, I think I was very lucky to be honest. Yeah. Uh, I, had, I was doing really nice gigs. I was gigging quite solidly for about mm. like a, a year and a half. I was gigging like most nights of the week mm. and I was completely exhausted. Yeah. Um, uh, but yeah, it's, it's, that was the process of just um but how did every, you get to the stage of doing it every night that was you know being new to it how did, how did that where that was, was the drive that's that just that? i was very fortunate and then i lived in london so i was just right, emailing okay. out every yeah. gig that i went to i mm. would I'd talk to people and i'd say mm. um uh where should i go well, who should i email who yeah. should i get in touch with and I, I had this big long list on my phone of all the different gigs in london and i was just emailing them out i had an office job but i was um so bad at it that they didn't notice when I didn't do anything (laughs) productive. Um, So I was just emailing like during office hours, just emailing out um, trying to get spots and stuff. So I was just doing like, yeah, like unpaid open mic gigs Mm. and stuff, but every, every night of the week as much as I could, um, which made me a terrible person to spend any time with socially. (laughs) Cause I I was falling asleep. I was hanging out with mates, just falling like just at at dinner tables and just, just crashing out. Cause I was so exhausted. Um, (laughs) And then, uh, and then, I guess yeah. After about a year and a half, I started getting a couple of like paid spots, but mm. they were more like, um, like uh, you know, forty quid, 
10 minutes for 40 quid kind of thing um and then yeah sort of, sort of built it from there but that was oh god now now I'm gonna have to have a think about you know, the face with the reality of my age it was about eight <laughs> years ago yeah, okay. I was doing that. Because so, a, a lot of people don't realise when they see people on the telly, the journey that you've been on. Um, mm. And usually for for a lot of comedians, it's a lot longer than eight years, isn't it, as well? It, you know, it can be 10, 15, yeah, yeah, longer yeah. sometimes. I had re- relatively um, quick uh, mm. journey through, yeah, well, when you com- compare to some people who, who slog away for, for such a long time. Yeah, and I've I'll, been very fortunate. And I like to celebrate the graft that comedians go through in the early years as well, the commitment to doing it and being wherever you need to be at that night at a minute's notice, sometimes less, you know, you just got to be mm. across the road uh, to get another set in and just, just to build your stage time and to hone your craft. It's uh, so daft though, isn't it? Cause like <laughs> it's, it's mostly just somebody sat on a mega boss for like two or three years of your life. And it's great. I mean, you should say to people that like one day yeah. you're going to be on a podcast and somebody's going to congratulate you for being on this mega bus. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, well done for getting on that megabus for seven hours to Liverpool. And uh, just it's, deleting it's... the question about the megabus in Liverpool question. There. <laughs> that now. There go. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. Why, why do you think it was quicker for you than maybe other people's journey? Um, I think maybe sometimes it's just right place, right time. Mm. Um, I think, uh, I'm, I mean, I don't know. I don't really know. Yeah. Um, you, you can't, I You're can't just I can't say anything. Yeah. I can't say anything about it. I can't be like, because I'm fucking great. Because <laughs> I've just got an innate talent. Um, <laughs> yes, no, I think sometimes it's just right place, right time. Yeah, and okay. I um, had had the means. I got, <laughs> as I say, I had this job that yeah. meant that I was able to move to London. And I think sometimes it's just as simple as where you are geographically. Yeah. Like moving to London and meeting the right people. It's it's um, uh, when you're starting out doing comedy, like being able to gig every night of the week mm. in, in London is... Um, kind of transformative and uh quite frustratingly it's kind of getting better now but the comedy industry is a little bit london centric so mm. um being here made me um it put me in a position to sort of meet meet people who were yeah. gonna offer me gigs and recommend my name to other people and then enter london-based competitions and get seen mm. by agents and stuff like that so yeah you, you mentioned London is the London, reason. the bright lights of London. We blame London <laughs> for, for what I now inflict upon the world. Yeah. You, you mentioned earlier that, that that fascinated me a bit. I just, I'm glad I parked it in my own mind there a little bit that you feel it's, it might be a little bit easier these days to start as a comedian than back eight, ten years ago. What, what, what did you mean by that? I was just joking to make you feel better. Um, <laughs> that's, that's all that was. Fair it's, um, I think, I actually think it's probably harder. Okay. Um, well, there's more of us. Yeah. Um, and uh, there's lo- yeah, loads of comedians now. Um, and um, I think you have to be a bit more creative to be a comedian now, to, yeah. to stand out. Mm. Um, in some ways, it's there's it's easier to grow an audience in that you're not relying on being booked for TV and things like that. You can just mm. put stuff online and grow. Um, so that's that's good. But um, I think you, in order to kind of rise to rise above everyone else, you do have to be doing something a little bit distinctive mm. it's probably just as hard as it was i don't know i yeah. wasn't there no yeah fair enough well you, you do see a lot of like reels from comedians these days and online content mm. and videos and that kind of stuff just one that stands out for me is tony hawk uh, troy hawk sorry uh that just yes yeah tony hawk i was like is he doing yeah, no, yeah, that? sorry that's that, that's me just yeah. <laughs> give us a chance tony <laughs> yeah billionaires stick to the board <laughs> sorry troy hawk my love troy hawk um, yeah 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 
Yeah, is he doing online stuff now? Yeah, do, doing the Greeters Guild I'm stuff. I'm kidding. Oh, fucking hell, here we go. I'm <laughs> kidding. I've seen him. I've seen him. Yeah. Greeters Guild. Yeah. Yeah. He's good. He's yeah, no, good. It, it, it's just, it, it's fascinating. It's always fascinating me, the, the, the comedian uh, mentality of, you know, just, because it, it didn't used to be, self-promotion used to be uh, frowned upon. When, when I'd started like 10 years ago, they were like, because I, I, I thought about doing a website and somebody said, that's the last thing you want to do is to like have a website and that kind of stuff. When uh, Why? What's wrong <laughs> with a website? I, I don't particularly know. I'm from a music background. So I was in bands and stuff before where you you kind of needed to have that kind of self-promotion and self-promotion has always yeah, been Yeah, I don't see the harm of doing it as a yeah. comedian. Oh, okay. Yeah, a lot of people like, like frown, didn't like that. I was like self-promoting myself. Probably I was too early and not committed to the, uh, to the craft of stand-up comedy and you know too busy building the website yeah, yeah well maybe yeah well th- th- it's, there's a reason why i don't do it anymore because i weren't very good at it and yeah uh, and but it, what it did do, do you have a website now yeah uh, rgm it's it, it, it when i started off in comedy it kind of um sent me on a journey and it is my uh, my own personal um journey really is my um you know what's the name of the, my thank fuck for that moment was starting off in comedy and not getting away with it but it kind of made me out of my comfort zone I started to do stand-up I got offered a film in London mm. that we did it, after I, after I did it for a bit I got a bit of a name self in Sheffield where it introduced me to introducing band gigs so I got back into music being a compare interviewing bands and that kind of stuff where nice. I started a website and it's organically changed to RGM what it is now just RGM wouldn't be here if I wouldn't have been rubbish at stand-up 10 years ago so that the, I just me, think if, if they if you'd listened to them and not made that website where yeah. could you be yeah. you know that's changed your life yeah it really has and, uh, and it's it's why we're here today and it's why I like celebrating personalities in the world and just doing these podcasts mm-hmm. and just having interesting people with interesting chats with new people on the internet with yourself man. yeah so I've done a bit of little digging as well I've done a bit of research Sarah um, okay and um just looking at just on your website and that kind of stuff um done quite a lot of tv work mate i I, I really enjoyed seeing some of the stuff you do and some and panel shows always fascinate me they Mm. they, on the as as a person like if i ever got booked for a panel show i think this is going to be tough Uh, there must be quite a lot of preparation for those type of things because the competition even on the show looks brutal even before you start recording How, how do you find those the panel shows no, you're absolutely right. You 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 got it. You bang on. It's it's tough. The the they're a very specific skill, mm. um, and I think I think sometimes you kind of either got it or you don't. I, I'm yeah. not sure if I fully have it with panel show. I try my best, and I think mm. I've had some good appearances on them. Yeah. Um, but they are. I mean, some of the the best comedians around will say that that format doesn't suit me, because mm. um, I'm I'm a bit. I think my sense of humor is a bit like quiet and I just yeah. draw an audience in and maybe a bit more sort of subtle like facial expressions and things yeah. like that um I use a lot of silences you know like you use pauses and uh, mm. timing in, in in doing stand-up yeah. um and you can't do that on a panel show you've just got to be the loud kind of loudest fastest uh most dominant person in the room at times um especially if you're new because people are looking yeah. at you going, we don't even know who the fuck you are. <laughs> um, so yeah, they are challenging. It's a challenging format to, to try and um, a comedy. It's sad. It's kind of sad to make comedy as competitive as, yeah. as they make it. Yeah. They do. Fast. So I presume you get like, just before the show, you get uh, ideas of what's going to be discussed on it. So you can think of material to, 
to, to come out with. I presume that's a thing. Or no, it's everybody's entirely just improvised. Brilliant. It's <laughs> yeah. all, it's all, all <laughs> improvised. That's that's what we're told to tell you. Um, we have no idea what's going to happen. No, yeah, exactly. yeah they do. They yeah. do send they send it out. They send yeah. you, they send yeah, sure. Piece of paper saying this is what's going to happen. Yeah. So like um, on, on Mock the Week, even though because that just looks so competitive, even when you, when you're just walking into the middle bit, and you, and you even see comedians clashing into each other to get to that microphone. Yeah. That, yeah. that looks like the worst part of it. That like for, for me is like like kind of knowing the the journey of comedians and that kind of stuff. Like when I'm watching it on the telly, it feels awkward sometimes when people clash into each other wanting to get to that microphone. It's brutal, isn't it? Yeah, and it's just not within my personality. Like yeah. I wouldn't do that on like trying to get on a train or anything. Like, I'm always, I'm always after, after it, very subservient. So it's quite hard because you you do have to just go. You have to yeah. kind of go. I'm going to go next, um, and it's and it's difficult. And the people who have kind of been doing it for years, they know mm. that, and they instinctively will just move when they want to move. Um, so yeah, you have to kind of change the the wiring of your brain and go fuck it. I'm going to fucking rugby tackle Glenn Moore to the floor now. <laughs> um, which you know is actually worth it. <laughs> yeah, fair enough, fair enough. Yeah, and it's no mean feat because no. he's a tall man. <laughs> he deserves it. Yeah. What, what's your favourite part of um, doing TV? Because obviously uh, you've done the Apollo as well, which is like the the holy grail from a comedian coming up point of view to to do the live at the Apollo. Just, yeah. J- just watching your performance on there, just so accomplished, and you know, it felt like you had the the crowd in the palm of your hand straight away. Speak, speaking, oh, speaking, you. speaking to Scott Bennett, I know he'd he'd been on it recently, and he was just telling me about the build up to it. How how was your personal build up to that first appoint, uh, you know, um, appearance on such an iconic program? Um, well, I was really sick. I oh. had a really bad cold. Yeah. Um, so that was stressful in itself because you think this is one of the biggest moments of my career. I've mm. been dreaming about this day for my entire life. And within those dreams, I didn't have a runny nose and a sore throat. Yeah. Um, so I, I had a whiskey before I went on just to try and hot yeah. whiskey. Mm. Um, and it's ner- it is nerve wracking. Like you get you, They drive to your house and pick you up in a car and you, th- you feel like you're being taken away (laughs) so you think what's going to happen um but it's like it was it was great it was so cool Mm. it's um it's very exciting and everybody's really lovely and all stuff like that my favorite part about it was that was at the end because my girlfriend and my friend were there and um uh they came back with me to just grab my stuff from my dressing room and i've never seen two people loot a dressing room with such excitement because they give you snacks and stuff oh, okay. so there's like right, can, can no they weren't taking the furniture <laughs> but there's like cans of coke and crisps and sweets and things but my girlfriend I, i've never seen anything like it she had like a sack full of goodies but they said did she take and a I bag thought, just in case sorry did she take a bag with her just in case yeah she had a bag with her as well and she had everything in it and I just I thought this is honestly probably one of the most glamorous moments of my life and we're all from Nottingham my partner and I and and my friends were all from Nottingham and stuff and I thought this is just the most like typical like the most exciting (laughs) moment at Hammersmith Apollo in London performing it live at the Apollo it feels like a real I've made it moment but we are still absolute scumbags (laughs) (laughs) we are still robbing the place of everything that's not strapped down um so yeah it was uh it was good fun it was a good night how do you find coming down from those type of experiences oh it happens quite quickly yeah i don't I've not, I've not got anybody in my life who really indulge me if i'm trying to uh, right, uh okay. pre- pretend to be a diva or anything like that i think i think i was probably um i don't know cleaning the windows the next day yeah. um yeah it did i, I don't think uh, that high 
obviously I can be excited and my family yeah. and my partner they everybody sort of celebrate with me but um it, they don't they don't treat me any any differently so yeah. um I I come down within a matter of hours I think <laughs> okay. yeah no it's, it's, it's they're just such great landmarks in a career uh, of a comedian so so mm. you so you built up your stage time um doing gigs all the time knackering stuff gradually built up to doing headline gigs and that kind of stuff get some, yep. start to get tally work established you've got your own full tour coming out as well which is which is amazing mm. to see uh, just sticking on the journey of uh, on the life of a comedian a little bit um cancel culture i know um you know it's a it's a podcast with comedians i suppose uh, we might as well address it. How, what, what's your theory on cancel culture at the minute? For, for me, it feels like it's easier now to discuss what you want than what it was like a year ago when a, a year ago it felt like there was a lot of pressure on comedians coming out of the pandemic to um, to regain control of the world really and start saying what they want, <laughs> how they want is a bit of an observation uh, I've got personally. Um. Yeah, I mean, um, I don't really think, I, I, I think it's, I think the attitude around council, uh, council mm. culture is kind of uh, um, bullshit, really, mm. in that um, nobody's really been cancelled for saying anything. Yeah. Sort of, people can kind of say what they want and then they get, you know, get on with it. Yeah. Um, I mean, people. There are people who have literally done things that are illegal that are still touring. Um, mm. So, I, I don't know. I don't know really. I think. Um, I think what we talk about when we talk about sort of cancel culture or people yeah. being afraid to talk about things is is. Um, I find it. It's, it's often when you see comedians who are just um, incapable of moving with culture. Mm. They're ignoring the fact that. Uh, 10 years ago, five years ago, even it might have been okay to say one thing, but the world has moved on and we maybe learned more, we're more educated, maybe we understand like that would, saying that thing would be damaging or hurtful to this kind of group of people or that kind of group of people. And it's not, um, you can't say anything these days, it's just why not be a bit more uh, interesting and nuanced and sensitive about what you're actually talking about rather than just going for like the most, because the the reason that people make these jokes that that get like a shock reaction are often because they're sort of the most uh, basic or boring punchlines that just generate a bit of a shock response. Mm. And I just think, um, I think if you're looking at a joke thinking, uh, oh, people people aren't going to like it if I go out and say this because it's going to upset this group of people or hurt that group of people. It's offensive to this group of people. Um, if you think you're so good at comedy write a better joke yeah oh well said well said do you have, have you ever edited your material um, yeah yeah like, I, I presume it's normal to edit your material if you're doing telly than just a club uh For sure that, i mean that, i, I i've done it a, a lot i've written jokes yeah. that i've thought were funny i've gone out and done them i've got a message from someone and said hey mm. i like you know i like the performance but there's this one line that you said that um i think maybe came across badly or wasn't quite mm. met with the right tone or um was said with a bit of ignorance and i thought okay fair enough and there are times when i've when i've had to adapt and i've yeah. changed what i've said and um and i 
I, to be honest, I, I, I'm proud of those moments in the sense that I've written a better joke. I've written a more nuanced mm. joke. And the fact that I'm capable of taking a bit of material going, okay, well, I don't want to hurt anyone. So what's my way around? I can still talk yeah. about the subject. What's my way around hurting mm. people? All right, then I'll do that instead. That's just simple. It's just it's a mark of a talented comic yeah. if you can also. adapt. And I wrote a show in 2018 mm. and then I filmed it for a special in 2021. And I've said this a lot. I went and listened back to the recordings of the show in 2020, mm. uh, 2018 to record it in 2020. Mm. And the first five minutes of that show were not appropriate for the way that culture had moved on yeah. in the three years since I'd done it. Like it just, it was it, the, the tone had shifted because uh, my show was about gender and stuff like that. And I made yeah. a few jokes that now I wouldn't do. Mm. I wouldn't want to do because I, I, my opinions have changed. I've learned more attitudes towards things have changed. And so I rewrote them. And it's just like, I hate this whole thing of like, you can't say anything anymore. And it's like, well, you can, you can say lots of, there's so many things that you can say. Yeah. But if you're dead, if the only way that you can be humorous is by being offensive yeah. and you're not that funny. No, I, I, well said. And you know, it, the, the media, there's a lot of, scaremongering in the uh, in the media I, I think around all sorts of different topics and you only have to i was watching the bbc earlier on today um and they were just talking about how the church aren't going to bless same sex man- marriages you know just that kind of story being main the main story uh, in the news you know trying to <laughs> discuss these type of topics in that kind of like confrontational way because you, you don't get conversations like this on the news you just get rah 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 um, and it's it, it this type of quick clickbaity news. Um, it, it's not helping conversations. It's it's not helping move things forward and uh, giving people alternate ways to think about it if they do think a certain way. It, I just kind find of, it wild. I find yeah. it kind of crazy that um, that that we that there's this attitude that that everybody has this sort of like uh, like. A, like undeniable right Mm. to hurt people if they want to i can say whatever i want it's just my opinion and it's like well yeah it's your opinion but like why do you want to be somebody that upsets people like even if you don't really understand their way of life or who they are or you don't you're not gay you don't want a same-sex marriage or anything like that what what is it about causing other people suffering that gets you off. And I think that's, um, I just think it kind of, it's kind of lame. I don't know. It's, just, it's you know, you, you only have to mention just pronouns in a public environment and <laughs> all the, all these people lose the shit over pronouns when I, I, I don't fully understand why they're so angry about other people just wanting to be described as whatever they want to be described at. The, the debate around pronouns is far more effortful than actually just leaving people alone. <laughs> yeah, it is. There's so much. Yeah, they, they talk about it too much, don't they? But yeah. just, you know, what's it matter? Why does it matter to that person individually yeah. when, you know... I... takes up way more of your brain space and your time yeah. to, like, argue with somebody about their pronouns than it does to just, like, call them <laughs> what they want and move on with yeah. your life. Have, yeah. uh, have you ever had spats like that on Twitter and that kind of stuff with people? How, how do you find social media, the environment? And 
try my best to stay out of it because yeah. I find it very sort of frustrating. Yeah. And um, yeah, so I don't uh, I don't wade into spats. I don't read comments. I put out what I want to put out into mm. the world. And um, I've I had a bit of a period last year where I think I felt quite frustrated because yeah. I thought like I just I just wanted to be a stand up comedian. That's when I started when I started doing comedy. Mm. I wanted to just be would just make people laugh and part of that was talking about who I am and my existence in my life and my existence is political Mm. whether I like it or not um because uh some people don't think that I should have the same rights as other people Mm. um and that's like it's kind of it's kind of a frustrating Mm. reality to be faced with so like I'm I'm not the same as like Ivo Graham I'm not the same as Glenn Moore because they can go out and just be funny they can talk about whatever they want yeah. but if I put a post you know if I put a video of me online people want to know what gender I am that's what that's the comments are so I have to, like my there's no avoiding it with me mm. I have to address it within my stand-up I have to address it with it whenever everything I do all of the time I have to address it and um so i yeah i try my best to kind of keep my head because otherwise you wouldn't want to do anything so i just um, yeah. yeah i stay away from it as much as possible i don't wade into conversation sometimes i will sometimes I'll, i you know i post things and put my opinions online but i'm not i'm not about to get into an argument with anybody i know that i'm right is that is, I know, that, is that still frustrating? I know. is it frustrating to have to do that still now you're more established and is it still is it frustrating for you to have to well i'm not you know, i'm not so famous that i think everybody should know who i am yeah, fair, I, yeah I'm not, sure. you know I'm, I'm uh i'm having a successful career and yeah. i have fans that come and see me and that's lovely mm. but i'm not a, you know i'm not a, a massive household name i'm not a, like world famous in any way so i i don't mind reintroducing myself to yeah. people because that's i'm not I'm not so arrogant as to think that everybody should completely understand. And if people have legitimate questions that are just because they are trying to get a sense of me, then that's fine. But, um, but I, I think what I find frustrating is that um, the, the, the way in which we handle sort of identity politics and the attitudes towards queer people and the attitudes towards gender uh, mean that I, I have a responsibility to uh, be some kind of representative or advocate mm. of my community as well as trying to be a stand-up comedian. Yeah. And uh, that's, um, that's kind of boring. <laughs> no, fair enough. Fair enough. But yeah. it, it, it feels like it's, a, it, it's important for you though to, uh, to take, you know, to, to take that on, to take on that mantle and run with it too and support. Um, your community yes yes it is it is important but as I say it's also kind of you know um mm. uh inevitable yeah like I can't um they would there would always be the, the questions would always be there yeah so so how do you so you've got the uh lost boy tour coming on mm. is it is it an hour is it a, a, a specials are generally about an hour turn out uh, yes yeah yeah so it's an hour um full show uh i've been kind of alternating between doing um a, the warm-up myself and having mm. um a, a support depending on how i'm feeling so yeah. i might I, it will be like a show of two halves but it'll be a short spot at the front at the top and then um and then me doing an hour which is the full show mm. um so the yeah the whole thing is like an an hour and a half with a break what always fascinates me when i watch specials and i watch a lot of them i've been to see a lot of 
comedy recently. I went to see Rich Wilson's in Manchester. It's mm. his, his last special. And just to be able to... Did he to, have a tour support? Uh, he, it was part of... Uh, it was a recording. Uh, it was recorded. So they, uh, uh, they had a, a couple of other comedians doing half an hour before he did his hour. Yes, I should think about this. I'll think about this privately. <laughs> okay, yeah, yeah, fair enough, fair enough. Um, uh, yeah, so, you know, just... Uh, it, it always fascinates me. How do you remember to talk about all the things that you talk about for an hour? So when I've spoke to other comedians in the past, they've all got their own different techniques of doing it. They gradually, some might just build up 20 minutes on the road, yeah. build up another 20 minutes on the road and then stitch it together and alter it and play with it at all times. What's your personal method of building up this uh, big chunk of content that's in your mind, ready to go? Um, Like memorising it. Yeah, well, yeah, just the whole process of being able to have an hour's worth um, of comedy in you just to go out and do. Well, I'm starting to write a new one now, so I just write yeah. bits. I just, I just think, you know, mm. anytime I have an idea about something that might be funny, yeah. I'll just make a little note on my phone, and then I'll maybe like write the bit and mm. stuff, and then um, I do like new material nights. Maybe I'll do like a ten or fifteen minute spot, and mm. I'll try some of the ideas, and I'll, you know, obviously they go, yeah, okay, that's kind of working. And mm. then I'll do stuff like work in progress shows. So I'll do an hour, but it will be me with a bit of paper. Mm kind of trying to figure out what's what's good and what's not yeah. um and that's li- literally relying on the the notes as a bit of a crutch and like and being very honest with the audience and mm. saying this is a work in progress show some yeah. of this stuff is going to be funny mm. and some of it's going to be absolute dog shit <laughs> um and uh i do as many of them as possible and then you have like a deadline so it might be going to the edinburgh fringe or maybe you're recording a special or something like that but you're like this this show needs to be finished so you you gradually start to work out which which bits are working and which bits mm. need to go and which things need rewriting and what gaps there are that need um new jokes entirely mm. um and then I sometimes will work with a director so we'll kind of structure it to sort of tell a, tell a story mm. or, or um flow in a way that sort of makes sort of satisfying sense um and then by that point you've done it so many times yeah. that you do just you'll know the routines and there might be times when you do it and you go fuck I was supposed to do this bit there and that's yeah. I've missed that but then you you I don't think you often make those mistakes um over and over again yeah. like once you know you might know the the opening 20s like sorted and you'll go right okay well at the 30 minute mark I need to switch that over and and you'll be aware of the things you need to change. Um, and then, like, if you're taking a show to Edinburgh, mm-hmm. by the time you finish doing the Edinburgh Fringe Festival, you will have done that show about 25 yeah. times in a row. And by that point, I've memorised it, like, song lyrics. Like, yeah. you finish one joke and you know the next. Like, you know when, like, a song finishes yeah. on an album and you know mm-hmm. you know what the next song is because you've heard that transition so many times. Um, it's just pure so- graft and, and le- learning from on the spot. Uh, feedback from your audience in it there's no secret to comedy yeah it's, it's basically grafting and yeah it's just doing feedback. it over and over there's not yeah. really a shortcut i think like yeah. you're seeing this now which is i think is really interesting and and kind of cool is that like there are people who are getting really fit like famous and big from maybe doing like little comedy videos yeah. online um and then a few of them now have like booked in tours and they're also booking <laughs> in loads of working progress shows yeah. because they're like i need to I need to put the hours in to learn how to be a stand-up before I go on this massive wow. tour, but they've sold out this tour. So people are kind of doing it like backwards, yeah. um, which I think is really, I think it's cool. I, I kind of respect the people that are like, I'm, I'm not going to just go out there and 
and wing it i'm, yeah. I'm going to give these paying audience members a good show so i'm going to learn how to be a stand-up before i go out in front of them yeah so t- titles for specials or tours can sometimes be a bit spurious. And um, how, how did you, it, 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 you know, Lost Boy Tour, tickets are available mm. now. There's, there's there's a link in the description of this podcast to grab yourself a ticket. And you're going to be in my hometown uh, of Sheffield at the Lead Mill on Wednesday, the 22nd of February too. Um, yes. So, you know, a, a, an iconic venue like the Lead Mill um, as part of this, you know, nationwide tour. Uh, what does the title mean? Give us a clue why you picked that as a title for your tour. Um, oh, God, I can't remember. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, They're always superior. I don't know. I think sometimes you just pick something. Yeah. It's got a bit of a meaning to it now, but that's a bit of a spoiler. Okay, fair enough. Um, but I can't remember whether it was named that before the thing happened or yeah. whether it was coincidentally quite useful that that was, it was called that. I think it was, it was maybe, it was named that for a reason. Yeah. Um, uh, but usually a lot of the time I did a show called Pacific and that was based on a routine. Mm. There was a, I had a little joke that had that word in it, but I just thought it was a good, it was a fun word. Mm. Um, and sometimes you just pick something that sounds, because, because when, if you're doing the Edinburgh Fringe, you often have to pick the name of your show before you've started writing it because yeah. you have to submit and you have to um, register for the the festival. So people just, you'll often get audience members going, I don't know why it's called. Um, you often get uh, comedians going, I don't know why this is called that. I just, you, you can't I, I edit just that had, later on. Once no, I just had to it. pick it. <laughs> yeah. Oh, okay. Oh, fair enough. That's interesting. Which is why often they're very vague. Yeah. No, I can imagine. I can imagine. Yeah. So, you know, if people haven't clicked the button yet to come and see you on tour, Sarah, what would you say to the people that are just hovering over that ticket link now, considering to, whether to buy a ticket for you? Um, click, click it. What, <laughs> okay, just, yeah. just click it. Why yeah. don't you click it? This, yeah. this, we're, we're having a nice time. Yeah. It's going to be fun. Yeah. I'll make you laugh. Yeah. You can find out why it's called Lost Boy. Yeah. Um, uh, and if you come in in Sheffield, then uh, uh, that would be lovely. I've yeah. I've not been to Sheffield in years, yeah. and I've never been to the lead mill. But they've moved me into the bigger space at the ah, lead mill, nice so I'm really I'm going to need all the help I can nice. get because um, it was the smaller space, and then that sold yeah. out, and now it's bigger. Wow. Um, so um, so don't basically, I'd say, please don't make me look stupid in that big room. Yeah, <laughs> Fair that's enough. what I'd say. And if you ho- if you're hovering. Yeah. That I need you more than you need me, so please. Well, well, I want to catch you because I'm from Sheffield originally, but I live in Manchester now, so I want to come mm. to the Frog and Bucket one. So I love the Frog and Bucket. Lovely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm at the Frog and Bucket in Manchester. There we go. And where um, else are you? All over the country as well? I'm doing, um, so uh, quite a few of them are sold out. Yeah. But um, uh, the, one, the ones that aren't sold out uh, is Belfast tomorrow night, but this is not going to go <laughs> out before that. Okay. So uh, what a useless piece of information. <laughs> yeah. Um, that's like, it's got like a like a, a, only a few tickets left, yeah. um, and then what else? Uh, Sheffield and Birmingham, I got moved into bigger rooms, nice. which is why they're not. So they've yeah. they've got tickets left, and um, London is a big old that's a big old theatre. Yeah. So there's a few tickets left for that, and that's on the nineteenth of March at the Bloomsbury Theatre. Um, so yeah, yeah. No, not many what... dates have any tickets left. So well, the, the links... if you hover in, yes. Stop hovering. <laughs> Stop hovering. And the podcast, because again, we mentioned right at the beginning of this chat that, you know, you're a comedian. Mm. Every comedian's got a podcast. Everybody's got a podcast these days, uh, good or bad. How, how do you find being a podcaster uh, yourself personally? What made you start doing it? Um, I think it's great. I think it's good for, I mean, I, I do it with a friend. It's my favourite thing in the world to do. I love them. I love, yeah, I do. I make it with my friend Mickey, yeah. who's, she's so funny. She's such a good <laughs> stand-up comedian. 
Um, so she brings out the worst nice. in you, don't she, mate? It's, uh, it sounds so, like she sounds like she brings out the worst in you. She does, yeah. She absolutely <laughs> does. She provokes it. <laughs> yeah, um, and she's she's very funny. She yeah. makes me laugh a lot. So it's nice just getting to hang out with her. Yeah. Um, and it's great just having um, like stuff to think about. It kind of gets you thinking about comedy in a different mm. way. And um, and uh, it, it's about like near near misses, like because it's called Thank Fuck for that. And it's yeah. about um, you, you uh, guests will come on and tell a story about something they're glad didn't happen and then something that they're glad that that did happen yeah. so to thank fuck for that moment um uh we've got some very loose uh sliding doors the film with gwyneth paltrow um uh themes running through in that we call it the sliding doors moment yeah. is the second one is a thank fuck for that moment and a sliding doors moment but mostly people um then complain that uh everything is technically a sliding doors moment yeah. um but we're, we're just you know you just have to have some kind of format so that's what we did yeah. um uh, but some of the stories are wild some of the, the near misses the the thank fuck that didn't happen um stories are uh are wild um and quite uh harrowing well the, the last one um, i watched was Stuart goldsmith when he was talking about uh, walking through um South Africa, and he got into a hairy moment, and yeah, kind of just yeah. about just about got away with it, and went off east. He, he tells that story, and it's like, <laughs> like your heart starts racing. You're like, yeah. oh god, what is going to happen here? Um, yeah, so they're they're really good, and some of the stories are unbelievable. So definitely, how, how do you prepare for out. like? How do you put? Oh, definitely, will do. And if you want to hear that story about what he did in uh, South Africa, I'll put a link to the podcast, so it'll take you straight there on the description of this one too. Thank you. Uh, yeah, here we go. Uh, some homework, uh, homework for you all there, listeners. So, um, yeah. So, as a podcaster yourself, then how do you fully prepare for interviews yourself? Because I've been doing interviewing quite a long time, and I still think I, I still think I'm blagging it. I still think you know I shouldn't be here. Um, I feel like I'm I, shit at it. I'm really <laughs> shit at interviewing people. I'm really bad. <laughs> you know oh, absolute dog shit like the amount of apologies and, and stuff that we have to edit yeah. out because we're just we d- i don't know how to start a podcast you you were really good today you just oh, started but I, I i feel like a goon at the beginning yeah. like i really don't know what to do so the answer is i don't prepare and then i um i feel i'm very ashamed of myself one one thing that never changes for me and it happened before you know because when you're meeting people for the first time on zoom it's a bit of a strange thing to uh, to do in it you know I'm speaking to this new person that I've never met before in my life and who knows how it's going to go I always think the worst because she's going to hate me uh, I'm going to say the wrong thing I'm going to drop a bollock you get that yeah. fight or f- uh, flight mm. or fight mode inside mm. you where your body's just telling you to run <laughs> it happens with me every time yeah uh, it's just telling me to and run I do, before I we do, do hate it. you I do so, I'm going to leave. I'm going to leave here and slag you off. <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. How, how, do you, how, how do you find it? Like you know, before you're before you uh, go live with somebody for the first time, do you? Um, before, I mean, I, I, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I, at the moment, I just think I've been booking people that I'm friends with, so I guess yeah, that okay, helps. Fair enough. Yeah. Um, I've, we've not done one yet with anyone that we've never ever met in our lives, so yeah. that's um, I guess that's reassuring. Um. And then we record in a in a mm. in a studio in Vauxhall that is basically a shipping container on stilts. Yes. So um, once you're in there, I think you um, you're so apologetic about what you've put them through mm. already. Um, I'd lo- I'd can, love to go to a face to face environment like what you've got on yours. Cause yeah, it, yeah, it's, yeah. It's a it's it's a lot different than doing it on Zoom. Zoom's very convenient, and you know mm. you you can get 
um, you know, you can get more guests because it's more convenient for everybody to just do it on Zoom. But there's a special thing about doing it face to face, isn't there? There's a different. Yeah, you can kind of hear the, the the energy in the room. Mm. I think I don't know. I just said that. It sounded wanky. <laughs> Um, you're a podcaster now mate you're an, yes, an established yeah. podcaster there you go yeah uh, what I was... just felt, that felt like the right thing to say <laughs> yeah, fair, fair, fair. what was your thank fuck for that moment uh oh crikey um i should have thought about this given it's my podcast <laughs> um well because uh, because we've got to call a uh, thank fuck for that moment um, there's a few of them um oh god it's hard to know isn't it gosh and i put people through this every week um Something that I'm really glad yeah. didn't happen or did happen. Whatever you want. Well, I've had a few misses, near misses. Mm. Had had a car accident. I've told that story on the podcast. Yeah. Um, so I've had a few of them. Um, something that I'm glad did happen. Um, uh, this is uh, this is so lame, and I can. Uh, the only reason I'm saying it is because it's the only thing I can think of. Um, but I. My partner and I have been together like a couple of years, yeah. but we've oh. known each other over 10 years. Okay. Um, and I think like meeting her was definitely a, a thank fuck for that moment because yeah. she's uh, been very transformative in my in my life, like yeah. as a friend and also um, in a relationship. So, yeah, mm. but oh, um, so that's nice. We could beep all that it? out, mate. All the all the slushy stuff. We'll beep all that out. Anyway. Yeah, just make me sound cool. <laughs> CGI. Mo- yeah, buying my motorcycle was <laughs> my the best moment of my life. <laughs> I know what you mean. That there's nothing better than having a uh, for me wife and you, your girlfriend, uh, somebody that improves you. Because I I feel like I've been improved by my personal relationship. They're good, aren't they? People, other people are nice, aren't yeah. they? And, and when you meet a good one, yeah. they uh, it does work, doesn't it? Yeah. Doesn't yeah. work. I sound like a robot now. <laughs> Brilliant. Brilliant. So, a full robot. Oh, that's, yeah, I like people <laughs> as much as the next human being. <laughs> yeah. Well, Sarah, I've really enjoyed getting to know you. I'm going to encourage oh. everybody to click on, if you're hovering over that link and you haven't clicked yet, click now. Um, come and see Sarah on tour. Uh, an amazing comedian. Um, you're working hard. You've grafted. You know, you've got to celebrate I'm people like you. I'm working so hard over here. <laughs> Yeah, but you're, you're in Belfast tomorrow, so you're having a break now before your next that's, bit that's of travelling, aren't you, mate? I've been having a break for the yeah. whole of 2023, but I am in Belfast. <laughs> I'm in Belfast Well, good luck um, with the tour, mate, and really appreciate you joining us today on the podcast. Carl, thanks, thanks very much. Cheers, mate. Oh, thanks, Sarah, mate. Oh, right, enjoyed that. Right, enjoyed it. Yeah, in the description of this podcast, you will see... Uh, a ticket to go and see Sarah on tour. Obvs. Uh, check her out on, the, you know, we discussed the panel shows and that kind of stuff, which I found fascinating. Live at the Apollo. Just check her out on YouTube and all. While we're on about YouTube, our subscriptions have gone up quite nicely. That's 16, 16 this year, I think. Uh, so we're getting towards 600 now, which is nice. Uh, thanks, yeah, thanks for subscribing to it. But if you do get an urge to pop onto the RGM YouTube page, you will see the video version of our podcasts on there too. Have a look. Just another option for people that don't do the audio version of podcasts. You'll catch up soon, co- uh, folks. You'll catch up soon. <laughs> I tease, of course. Um, yeah, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for joining us for another week of this RGM podcast. It's always good to uh, kick off another week with a new podcast, in it. In it. 
And as I said, and as I said right at the beginning, I've recorded five, four, yeah, four. It's been a busy week. Four new podcasts just in this last week. And ladies and gentlemen, just stay tuned to the podcast. I've got some great stuff coming. I promise you, I'm not going to let you down. No, can't do it. So, ladies and gentlemen, I've been Carl Maloney, that guy from RGM. I will see you next week for another edition of the RGM podcast. Nice one. Welcome to RGM. Are you in a band? Come and join us. Simply click on the RGM submission page, submit your music, and we'll sort the rest. Hello. Did you know that you can support our podcast in many ways? Within the description of this podcast, you will see a list of all the equipment that we use. These are Amazon affiliate links. Clicking on these links take you to Amazon. If you buy whatever you're planning that week, we get a small kickback and you get a parcel at no extra cost. We would really appreciate your support. Or you can just go old school and donate a pound or whatever you feel is appropriate in there. Please subscribe, tell a friend about our show. And thank you for your support, and we'll see you next week.